it's an endless process, right? It's not something you go to Crotonville for a week and like, yay, I'm done and that's it. I'm, I will do it until the day I retire in, in my life. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Welcome, Deirdre, to the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast. We're really happy to have you here with us and uh, hope you've been enjoying your time so far on the Crotonville campus as well this week. Yeah, thank you so much. I had an amazing week. It really has been an awesome week to see the power of GE, you know, how global the company is and the great energy of the company. And I learned a ton. I knew coming, you know, before I came this week that I was going to learn more than people were going to learn from me. And I think that's true. That's great. So tell everybody a little bit about your background in case they're not familiar, especially for our external listeners. Yeah, so I uh, run communications at the company. So that's all things external and internal, everything you uh, read and see and hear about the company, um, including issues management and financial communications and proactive storytelling. So I've been at GE for 13 years. I was in the agency world prior to that. So it's it's been an amazing run and time at GE. I have uh, three small children that I uh, spend all my time. I'm either doing communications at GE or with my three small <laughs> I was going children. to say. <laughs> yes. So that's, uh, that's my life in a nutshell. Awesome. So what kinds of things then with respect to the story of GE or just in general, what's happening right now in the space? What have you been hearing since you've been on campus? Yeah. So it's really, you know, it, like, like all great companies, I mean, GE is 125 years old. It's really, it's Edison's company to this day. Like all great companies, we're in, an, in a more challenging cycle than we've been in in a while. So over the last 15 years, we've had tremendous portfolio change. You know, we've sold half the company. We did a deal with Baker Hughes in the oil and gas space. We bought uh, a big part of the company Alstom in Europe. We sold most of GE Capital. So all this tremendous change change. All the while, there was phenomenal world events happening mm -hmm. like 9-11, like a global financial crisis, the worst since the Great Depression. So in the middle of all that, you know, the company um, it was doing such great things with great execution, but now has to focus back on rigor and operations and, and really um, hitting the metrics that investors want us to hit. So um, certainly what I've been hearing you know, all week from the team here is really a combination of um, a yearning to understand exactly what's happening at the company right now and what investors are looking for and what it means for them, the employees, partnered with a real desire to understand the purpose and mission of the company. Because what you feel inside and outside, but certainly when you're at Crotonville, is just how much people want GE to win. So they're looking for more and more communications, really, and more and more understanding of what the path is for the company um, and, and what our purpose is. Right. Yeah. Totally understandable, too. And so how how can we think about communications in the company? I mean, what are some things that we can do or some things that people might be looking for um, to help with that? Well, I think if you take it from the leadership perspective, really you can't communicate enough right now. And I think this is a true statement regardless of what company you're in, what business you're in at, G at GE, what role you have. 
you really can't communicate enough. If you feel like you're communicating too much, you're not. Even though on the one hand, people will say, oh, we're getting bombarded with messages, of course, in today's world with the amount of news, the amount of social media, uh, the way that people consume news, it's a lot. But they want more and more communications from their leaders. And I don't just mean from our CEO, I mean from their leaders in their day-to-day life. And in that communication, they want it to be authentic. They want the real, real, if you want, like they want real talk. Mm -hmm. Um, They want, um, you know, they just want to understand what's happening. Even if as a leader, you have to say, I don't know, um, or I can't tell you because there are legalities or HR reasons or whatever there might be. But I think that that authentic, direct communications, um, more value than ever on candor is is really huge. And um, I, I think you can apply that to any role that you have, no matter where you work in any company in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm essentially hearing that People want to hear something. They don't want to be ignored. So like you said, even if you don't have an answer or you can't, you just can't say it, um, you know, better to do that than to ignore people. And I also have a sort of a side question when you mention, um, you know, more, more communication, you can't do it enough. What are your thoughts on channels? Because I know that there's always a lot of discussion about what channel should we communicate? Should it be an email? Should it be a podcast? You know, what should it be? And people often are looking for that answer of what's the best way. And and we often find, at least in my experience, that some people like communications through different channels. So from your perspective, how can we approach that? I mean, do you believe in just hitting a, a variety of channels or should you limit to a certain number? How can we think about that when communicating with, with folks? Yeah, that's a big question, actually. It's a topic that came up a lot this week. I think this is really context specific, you know, so on the communications and brand marketing team at GE, our team is on Slack, right? Um, which is a collaborative tool. You know, many teams don't have access to Slack or they're on a different tool. Um, you know, do you post things in Slack to get to the broader team? Do you do podcasts? Do you use Twitter or Facebook? Uh, do you blog? Do you? I really think it's very context specific. Meaning, what kind of team do you have in in what part of the world, and how do they want to receive information? Like, if you're working on a factory floor and people are not on laptops because that's not how they work, then like, don't deliver them something in a way that they're not going to see right. because they're not on laptops. So I think it's it's people want like a magic bullet on tools and platforms and I don't think there is. I think it's really really specific to where you are in and your role in your team and how people want to get information. I mean, I definitely would check have some process within your team so that people understand where things are so they can find it. Sure. And then um how when we think about I guess, different stakeholders and communications. How should we think about that and get better at not just how we're communicating in the channels, but also who we're communicating to and with? Yeah, we we had really robust conversations in the classes at Crotonville this week about uh, what you call in my business stakeholder analysis, right? Or stakeholder mapping, which is if you're going to make a decision that's a big decision for a business or a company, how do you think about in a holistic way um, all of the audiences in a sort of uh, um, circular way, all of the audiences that you have to think about that might be touched by this decision or this news. So if you think it, take it from the GE context, 
you know, and you have GE in the center of a circle. And then around the circle, you have employees and customers and governments and influencers, suppliers, partners, community. And it's sort of a, you know, arrows that go both ways all the way around the circle. They all feed uh, news, information, decisions into each other. So every analysis from a communication standpoint has to take all those audiences into consideration. And this is you know, more important now than it ever has been in history because, you know, with the advent of social media and digital and because of income inequality, sort of the uh, upside down sort of populist first way that people um, make decisions today, certainly in politics, you really have to have a holistic approach to how you communicate. Um, and we had a good conversation about how you take that model for a company and actually turn it on yourself and put you in the center of that circle and build, do your own stakeholder map for your career and figure out who you're engaging with that you should, who you're not that you should, where you have good relationships or not so great relationships and how you map your own stakeholders and navigate your career that way. So that was a really um, good discussion. I really like that part about the self-awareness too, um, because we all have a message to send and things that we're all concerned about, but it's it's really important to understand how that's being um, reflected, really. And also different different risks. Um, we talk about having courage to do things. So how, what are some things, you know, you mentioned the analysis of yourself, but after you've kind of an, analyzed where you're at and, and the situation, what can people then do to develop themselves in that area? Yeah. I mean, I think this this idea of extreme self-awareness you know, really understanding your background, where you come from, what your family influence is, your nationality, your gender, your race, your religion, um, whatever inputs you have had as a person from honestly, from being from time, you know, being a baby and how that affects how you show up and what you bring to work in any situation. And once you have, and I think a lot of the classes that um, that we do here at Crotonville, that's a lot of the work that they do all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So once you have a good sense of that analysis and, and how that feels to you or what you understand, then you have a much stronger platform or, or um, basis to build um, a, a voice, to find your voice and what the right voice is in the office that you can use, which creates courage, right? So once you have the courage of, I know who I am, I know where my strengths are, my weaknesses, I know what triggers me, which is a big thing. Um, I know what I'm bringing to my team and to the office. And then you can learn how to manage that so that you have the courage to stand up for uh, your convictions and things you believe in. So I, I think that's a, a huge piece in how you evolve as a leader. And by the way, it's an endless process. I mean, the self-awareness, I, I always joke with people like, I'm so self-aware, like make it stop. I can't, it's like too much, <laughs> too much self-awareness. It, it's an endless process, right? It's not something you go to Crotonville for a week and like, yay, I'm done. And that's it. I'm, I will do it until the day I retire in, in my life, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that I think also goes back to the vulnerability, you know, as leaders, making sure that we're being really honest, even when it comes to ourselves. Exactly. Awesome. So in terms of resources and speaking of self-awareness, would you mind sharing some of the things that maybe have been most useful to you or um, if there's any, you know, books you might recommend or things like that? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting on on books. Um, we talked in some of the classes this week about bursting the information bubble, and in what I mean by that is, in today's world, I mean, there's everyone is so polarized. And people are sort of dividing into camps and sticking with people that think like them, look like them, watch the same mm-hmm. um, shows they watch, you know, read the same media that they watch. And I think that is really a scary proposition. And it's causing a lot of the angst that we have in society today is the lack of ability to have empathy for another person and the lack of ability to understand where another person's coming from so that you don't think that their choices are necessarily dopey, you know, who you vote for for president is not dopey. It's because you're coming from a certain um, experience in life. So all that said is if you talk about how do you burst that bubble, quote unquote, uh, one way is to read and to read in two books that I think that I've been sharing this week that really are helpful with that. Um, one is Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, because yeah. I think that really, if you come, come from a different background from than he does, which many of us do, is just such a great awareness builder. And um, as Jeff Immelt said once, is sort of a Rorschach test for society today. That mm-hmm, book is mm-hmm. a Rorschach test. Um, the other one that I read in August, which I just loved, was Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. If you know, uh, Trevor Noah is the host of The Daily Show. And this book is a memoir about his life growing up in in uh, townships in Soweto in South Africa. And it is a phenomenal book and such a, um, you know, makes you, if you, I grew up in Massachusetts and like the exact opposite type <laughs> of life that Trevor Noah had. And so it it, it makes you uncomfortable and, and really expands your view on on people and the strength of people and how different cultures and people live their lives. So those are the types of things I think you should seek out. I mean, in between all that, I read Vogue every month and L Decor and I have all my fashion mags. So you gotta have to <laughs> you gotta do that and have fun. All about balance, right? Um exactly. Is there is there anything else, any other nuggets of wisdom uh that you would like to share? You know, I, the only other thing that talk, we talked about a lot was um, the idea of being aware of being comfortable, that being comfortable equals no growth. Mm-hmm. And if you're comfortable in your career and in your job and you're not nervous, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but, you know, then you, then you don't have growth and that being scared is good. So, you know, I think if you partner the intense level of continuous improvement on self-awareness, then you get start to see where you're actually having growth and where you're too comfortable and you marry that. Um, plus do your stakeholder analysis that you're, that you're on a good path to you building a good career. Yeah. Yeah. So the self-awareness, but also making sure that we're looking back and reflecting, um, as part of that process. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and also be good to yourself you know, I think in the GE culture, there's a lot of perfectionists. Um, I'm one of them. I think we have to be good to ourselves. We do a lot of things amazingly well. Leadership is one of them. We have to support each other, be in it together, and really take a step back every day to to look at the forest through the trees and see like what a phenomenal place this is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very valuable advice. And we appreciate you very much. Again, hope that you, you know, your last few, your last day or so there on campus is just as insightful as the first few days. And uh, we really thank you again for taking the time to chat with us on this podcast. Thank you so much. It was fun. 
And for all of our listeners, if you'd like to get in contact or follow what Deirdre is saying on social media, you can follow her on Twitter at Deirdre Latour. I will put that in our show notes. So that way you know how to spell it and all of that good stuff. So thanks again. We'll talk soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.